Welcome to the Awake Church Podcast. At Awake, our mission is simple. Know God, take action. We pray this podcast will help you on that journey. All right. Hey, good morning. Happy Father's Day to all the fathers and grandfathers. They're included. And I thought it would be appropriate for a dad joke. (laughs) Why can't you trust Adams? They make up everything. Okay. Okay. I know, you're not used to me telling jokes, and I'm... My kids roll their eyes often as they are right now, because I'm constantly saying stuff like that. Okay. Hey, I need to give you an update here on what has happened. Uh, We were... Last week, I stood here and said, we're going to close this week, Lord willing, and we didn't. So Tuesday, it was supposed to happen. Everything's set. Uh, then the lender wasn't ready. They needed two more days. We had to extend everything with the seller. And t- Thursday was the day. Thursday went by. The lender said, not ready. I have to do it Friday. Friday morning, I went in and signed everything. Gave them money. Everything was done. Walked away. Thank you, Lord. We're closed. And the lender and the attorney did not work out all the money issues by 5 p.m. Friday afternoon. So we are not fully closed. Everything is signed. I don't understand how all this works. And there's been a certain amount of frustration on my part, as you can imagine, uh, with some folks. I've had lots of phone calls. But um, out of my control and just trusting the Lord here on this. And so tomorrow morning, supposedly, all of the Finances are supposed to be exchanged and a done deal. So let's just keep praying that way. Lord, make this happen. In Jesus' name, we're even singing here that, you know, a lot of things are the Lord's battle, you know, um, where we do what we can, and then he, he does the rest. So that's where we are, and so I hope to report, and I will report quickly once everything is done. I'll put it up on Facebook or something, let everybody know when we're there. So we're, we're, we're really close. I'm sorry. I really wanted to just celebrate with you this morning on this, but uh, I believe it's going to happen. I really believe this is the Lord, and I, I don't understand some of these things, uh, but it's where we are. All right, there's that. The Lord's got this figured out, right, for us. Okay, um, I want to talk some today about fathers and honor fathers, as well as talk about the father, as well. I'm just, um, if, if we could have all the dads and grandpas stand up, though, just for a moment, so we can just honor you guys and clap, and look at all these guys. We got a bunch. Appreciate all of you. Thank you for who you are, what you do, what you've done. It's not easy being a dad, Probably easier than being a mom, I'll say that, amen, we get the amens from the ladies. But we need dads. Um, It's so important. 
Um, you know, and just for, for the, the men, the, the fathers, the grandfathers in here, you know, you probably don't realize even just how much of an impact you have by being in a church, attending church with your family um, makes more of an impact than you realize. That leadership there, that pursuit of the Lord, putting God in the highest place, it has a huge impact. Um, as you pursue the Lord, there's more likely that your kids will follow the Lord. That's just, that's statistically proven. And, uh, and so thank you for doing the hard things, living selflessly, leading. It's much easier just to be a playboy and to not take on any responsibility, commitment, and do your own thing, live life the way you want to live it. It's a lot easier. That's basically kind of the Hollywood life. Uh, but it is, it's, it's not easy to give of what you have, to lead, to get in there, do the hard things, uh, and be selfless. But boy, is it beautiful. It is, it is a wonderful thing, and it, uh, it really brings stability to a whole society. It's really true. When, when fathers and grandfathers are doing what they're supposed to be doing, it changes. I'm going to give you a couple of stats here real quickly. Um, although mothers are superheroes, I'm not negating any of you guys. You guys realize that, right? I don't know how women do what they do, particularly single moms. It's amazing. But moms are superheroes. Dads have their role, though. Um, Here's one quick stat. If a father does not go to church, no matter how faithful his wife's devotion is to the Lord, only one child in 50 will become a regular worshiper in church. Isn't that crazy? The dad's influence is, is huge in what kids see. Um, let me show you this next slide here. 90% of all homeless and runaway children are from fatherless homes. 90%. 85% of all children who show behavior disorders come from fatherless homes. 85% of all youths in prison come from fatherless homes. 85%. Just by being a father and showing up, you change the stats. It's amazing. And you help provide a life for your kids. We need fathers in our nation. Desperately, right? We really do. A lot of the problems in our nation has to do with Fathers not being fathers. Dads not being fathers, really. So, Lord, help. We, we need that. But thank you for what you do. Um, you've heard me share this before, but I want to mention it again. Remember the study that was, it actually, the, the real thing happened in 1993 in South Africa. Uh, the name of the park is called um, Pillensburg National Park in South Africa. Started a new game park, and they didn't have any elephants. So they grabbed elephants from Kruger National Park, shipped them over there. Most of the elephants were juvenile elephants and females, but they did not bring over any of the large bull elephants, any of the mature ones. So you just had a lot of juvenile teenage, and elephants are they're amazing. I could talk a lot about them, actually. I've seen many. I've taken pictures of thousands of them. Um, when I go to Africa, we usually always do a safari at the end, and so I've got a lot of elephant photos, and they're incredible creatures. They're really smart, great memories. This is one of them. And they also are social, so they have family units. And I've been chased by bull elephants. Once really scared me bad. Um, that's another story. I'll share that one sometime. But they live in family. They're like humans in some ways, and one of the ways is that 
in their teen years for the males is when they hit puberty and their testosterone levels go crazy. And then, you know, it's really a mature bull elephant is really when he's about 40. That's what they call mature bull elephants. So they brought all these juvenile elephants over to the park and they start populating the, uh, this park, but they didn't bring the bulls. Well, what happened was these teenage male elephants went nuts. Their, their testosterone's through the roof. They're trying to mate with everything. They're fighting, they're goring, they're killing other elephants, jabbing them with their tusks. They're, they're stomping on them. They killed people. They started running over people. They're just terrorizing. They can't find, you know, some of the, they had trouble with some of the female elephants and mating with them, so they started trying to mate with rhinos. And they would, because elephants are so much bigger, they would crush the rhino and kill it. 10% of the rhino population in this park perished from elephants crushing them. These juvenile elephants trying to rape them, raping rhinos. That's what they, so the park rangers trying to figure this out. They first saw these dead rhinos and thought it was poachers, but their horns were still there. And then they saw the claws on the, and the, the, the hoof prints on their backs of these rhinos and knew it was from elephants. They're trying to figure out what's going on. The only thing different is that there were no bull male elephants there. So they went and they went back to Kruger and they got three or four big mature bull elephants and brought them over. First one gets out, he's this big, huge guy. And by the way, elephants that come in all, this is a picture I took on my last, maybe two trips ago. You can just see the different size. There's the big bull there in the middle and then the little teenager there on the, on the left. So that's basically it. And they, you know, so when, when the big one showed up, this is one that, this is one that chased me. This is not the bad one, but this is one that chased me once. Um, you get a little too close and they, they flap their ears and they, they come at you, like back off. Uh, and so when the big one showed up, these teenage elephants thought, you know, they've been the king of the hill. So they just approached these, these big bull elephants like they're gonna just, you know, chase them out of the way. And that big dude took one whack at him with his head in his trunk and lifted him up off the ground. He's got the park rangers telling the story. Lifted him up off the ground and whacked him back down. Issue over. <laughs> Everything went away. No more terrorizing. No more raping of rhinos. These bull elephants put these guys in their place and said, this is not how you live life. This is not how you treat females. This is not how you treat rhinos. It's not how you treat people. They took over, and the whole thing changed in that park. You can read it. There's stories on it. They call it the delinquences. The BBC did one. The CBS did one. Um, it's really interesting, but that's very true. Now, that isn't just for elephants. It's for people as well. We need the fathers, and sometimes there's some discipline that needs to happen, right? Discipline is not a bad thing. We need it. The father disciplines us. I need it. It's not for my harm, it's not for my hurt, it's to bring things into balance and to help, right? So that I'm behaving right, so that everyone's behaving in, in, in the right way, to bring that, that order. So it says in the Bible that the reason God chose Abraham, this is Genesis 18, 19, for I have chosen him so that he may command his children and his household after him to keep the way of the Lord by doing righteousness and justice, 
righteousness and justice. Keep that. That is why God chose Abraham. Not just because he had great faith, because of what he would do and the training he would give his children. That's incredible to me. God has chosen you to teach children the ways of righteousness, the ways of justice, how we handle and treat other people. Excuse me, being honest and all of the other things that come, go along with that. But I want to talk today in particular about the Father, our Father. We were just singing about in two. And just as the world is a mess, society is a mess, when the fathers are absent, just like a game park is a mess, when the bull elephants are absent, a Christian's life is a mess in ways if we don't have the presence of the Father in our lives. So my life, when I met the Lord at seven, I was really a conversion where I had the revelation of what Jesus had done for me. You know, Scott just shared the, really the, the message of salvation. When I got saved at seven, I still remember it. I was converted. There was a transformation in my heart, in my life. And then in my late teens is when I was aware of the Holy Spirit. Started to ask for an infilling of the Holy Spirit. I got baptized in the Holy Spirit in my late teens. And then in my 30s, see, it's like I had three conversions to the Godhead. First, it was Jesus for me. Then it was the Holy Spirit. And it wasn't until my 30s, I was already pastoring this church. And there was like a conversion in my heart related to the Father that I had never understood or seen before. The Father to me was a little bit scary. This is the way I, I grew up. I was more afraid of him and doing wrong than I was in love with him and knowing that he's, he loves me. I was trying to please him and do the right things and I had this perfectionistic type of thing working on me, trying to please the Father, but not having a whole lot of relationship there. Uh, it's much easier with Jesus. Safer, kind of, that was my, that's the way I grew up. Everyone has a different situation there. And a lot of times the way that we see God has a lot to do with our natural father. Whether we realize it or not, there are elements of your natural father that affect your view and image of the father. It just happens. If your natural father is a pushover, uh, never leads, maybe absent, or he's demanding, punitive, you walk on eggshells around him, you don't do everything just right, look out. Elements of whatever experience you had, from absentee to super controlling and harsh, those things tend to affect the image of the Father God in our hearts, whether we realize it or not, it just, it just happens. I have an amazing natural father, yet still image of the Father in my heart and mind was more of an Old Testament, pharisaical, I would say, type of understanding of the Father. And then in my 30s, something started to change in my life Related to this, and it, and it started with this, this scripture, Mark chapter one. I read this one day. Mark chapter one, verse nine. You guys know the story. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth in Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. 
Immediately coming up out of the water, he saw the heavens opening and the spirit like a dove descending upon him and a voice came out of the heavens. And this voice speaks, probably shakes everything around. And it says, you are my beloved son. In you, I am well pleased. Jesus gets baptized. He comes out of the water and he hears his father's voice echoing across the landscape. You're my beloved son, two things. And in you, I'm well pleased. When I read this, it hit me for the first time that the process or the place in Jesus's life that he was in that moment was basically one that had not started ministry yet. So what he had done up to that point to deserve the words of the Father that I'm pleased with you and I love you, there was nothing of merit that you could point to like he didn't raise anybody from the dead yet, hadn't called his disciples yet, he hadn't turned water to wine yet, he hadn't walked on water, he hadn't raised several people from the dead, including Lazarus. He hadn't done any of those things yet. He was just beginning. But at the beginning, before he did anything to be pleasing, in my mind, he hears his father's approval. He hears his father say, I love you. And that was the beginning of his ministry. So he starts in ministry already knowing that he is pleasing to his papa and he's loved by his papa. That's a great place to start any ministry. In fact, I really believe this, that this right here is the secret to Jesus fulfilling the father's will and his mission for the, on the earth for these, three and a half, these next three and a half years. It was his relationship with his father and knowing living in his father's love and approval not doing all these things, I gotta choose the right disciples. Boy, they can't, I can't mess this up. I gotta be the right 12 guys. I, I, I have to say the right message. I gotta preach these messages perfect. I got three years. That's it. Then I go, I, all the pressure, all of those things could have just come upon him in a major way, but they didn't. Why? Because he lived not to do things to one day hear, oh, I'm, ple I'm pleased with you. He started off being pleasing to his father. Amen. Then you can live free. You can live free from there. You can live in the father's love and just be and live in that love and just speak knowing I'm doing, I'm just gonna do this and I, I mean, I, I saw you do this. This is the kind of things I think you would do. I'm gonna do that. And he just lived that way without the pressure, without the anxiety, without the stress, because he knew his father so well and he knew his love. Plus, Jesus, of course, as he grew, and we don't understand all this, how this works, he's the son of God and the son of man at the same time, but as he grew and matured and became a man, I'm thinking he began to have images and glimpses of what it was like before the earth and time began with the father forever, creating the entire universe. I'm guessing he had glimpses of experiences with his father that certainly helped cement what his father was like because he's been with him forever. But now he's growing into remembering probably what he had done with him so he could speak so confidently 
of what he was like. In fact, one of the greatest missions of Jesus on the earth is hardly ever talked about, at least in my experience. Yes, to save us from our sins, to give his life as a ransom for all of us, to redeem mankind. But I'm gonna say almost just as important, he had this mission, and we'll read here in a moment, to reveal what the Father was really like to the world. Because the world's idea of what, the, of what God was like and the Father was like was all messed up. What they had was the Pharisees saying stuff. And the way the, way the, father, the Pharisees described God would be distant, punitive, harsh. He's not here for sure. And, you know, you better be doing this or you better look like, you know, the flowing robes and the phylacteries off your forehead and all these things better. You better do it just this way and had nothing to do with the heart. And it was really the wrong way. Jesus came to correct all of those things. As he described the Father, he talked about the Father 125 times that we have recorded in the Gospels. Jesus talking about the Father over and over. And he's talking about the Father about as much as he's talking about anything else. Because that was part of his mission. I'm revealing who my Father's really like. It's pretty incredible. In Matthew chapter six, verse nine, Jesus said, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name. Then he said in John 12, 28, father, glorify your name to which the father audibly speaks again. And he says, I have both glorified it and will glorify it again. You see Jesus going about glorifying the name of his father, telling people about him, this is what you're like. This is how you are. John 17, 25 and 26, one of my all-time favorite passages in the scripture, and the context is Jesus is just about to die. This is his last prayer. John 17 is his last prayer that we have recorded. This is the last, this is the end of the prayer. The last few verses of this prayer, right before Jesus goes to the cross, here's what he prays. This is in the Amplified. O just and righteous Father, Although the world has not known you and has failed to recognize you and has never acknowledged you, I have known you continually, as here. And these men understand and know that you have sent me. Verse 26, I have made your name known to them. And of course, in the Hebrew understanding, when you make someone's name known, their name is associated with their character, their personality, what they're like. So Jesus is not just saying, I've just given them a name. I've revealed your nature to them, your character and your very self. And I will continue to make you known that the love, this is all the reason why I'm, I'm making you known, is for this right here, that the, that the love which you have bestowed upon me may be in them, felt in their hearts, and that I myself may be in them. Jesus is saying, he's praying, I've been telling them about you, I've been telling them what you are really like, so that the love that I feel and live in, they would feel that same thing. They would know that same love, they would live in that same love, they would live in that being pleasing to you. That they would hear internally the same words that I heard when I got baptized. 
Jesus is saying he wants you and I, every single one of us, this is his prayer, that we would live in the Father's love and know the Father's love just like he does. That's incredible. When I read that Mark 1, when I read this, all of a sudden it starts, I start to realize I have had this distant relationship with the Father and a closer relationship with the Son because I was afraid of him because I didn't understand what he was really like. And then I start to see all these things the way that Jesus described him. And my picture started to change and shift and I started to have less and less anxiety in my life, less and less pressure and stress because I wasn't then trying to be perfect in that way. I started to learn to engage and embrace, I guess, the Father's love for me. And you hear me often say, one of the things I like to do Every day is to crawl into that hot tub of God's love because it surrounds me. Jesus said, abide in my love. Jesus said, I want you to feel the Father's love just like I feel it. We can every day live in the love of the Father and it's the safest, best place to, to live. It's how we're whole. And of course, God is love. You hear me say this often. He doesn't just have some. He is love. It's who he is. He also brings discipline, like that big elephant. It's for our good, Hebrews says. Let me read this out of Hebrews. Hebrews 12, verse nine. Furthermore, we had earthly fathers to discipline us, and we respected them. Shall we not much rather be subject to the father of spirits and live? For they, our natural fathers, disciplined us for a short time as seemed best to them. But he disciplines us for our good so that we may share his holiness. And all discipline, for the moment, seems to not be joyful. Would you agree? All discipline, for the moment, seems to not be joyful. But sorrowful, yet to those who have been trained by it, afterwards it yields the peaceful fruit of righteousness. I'm from northeastern Oregon. If you've ever been to that part of the world, it's hardly populated. Uh, the county I grew up in is bigger than some states, yet it only has 26,000 people in it. Uh, I grew up on the side of this mountain, closest neighbor a mile away, three miles from the closest town of 500 people where I went to school. And behind the house where my parents still live, you have to go, I don't know, maybe 50 to 100 miles before you run into another home. So you got the wilderness basically behind. And growing up, my dad is basically kind of born out of time. I mean, clearly he was the right time, but he's like a pioneer. Um, he'd just be, he's actually had me promise that I would never put him in a rest home and that I would just take him to Alaska with his rifle and leave him out in the wilderness to die. That, that's basically his, uh, that's his last wishes that I would never that I would never put him rest on him, give him a rifle, rifle in his lap and put him out in the woods. You know, he's the kind of guy who, um, when I was growing up, he was so excited about this trip to Alaska, he and his brother-in-law, and they got dropped off for a month in the tundra in Alaska on this little lake, plane dropped him off, and then it left 250 miles from the nearest road, and he loved every moment of that. Just, he's tough, pioneering, loves the outdoors. So I grew up, in that environment, 
uh, as a hunter, fisherman. Uh, I was talking to my dad this week as he's fishing, sending me pictures. And so my experience with him hunting was getting up really early. If you go hunting, I mean, you're, it's like 4.30, and then you drive to the spot where you take off, still dark, and then with flashlights, you hike up the mountain to get to the right spot as the sun comes up, and hopefully there's going to be elk or deer available. So anyway, I grew up doing that, which was not easy. I had asthma too. That wasn't helpful. Um, he was patient with me. I remember several experiences. One was, um, you know, getting so cold, I thought my, my, my feet went numb. And uh, I remember him stopping, making a fire, taking my boots off, rubbing my feet, keeping them warm. But always this wonder and awe at God's creation. The mountains, the rivers, the streams, the animals, the sounds, the eagles, you know, all those things. And growing up with him in his environment jumped inside of me. And the very things that he loved, I now love. I, in fact, the roles have changed. Whenever I go to Oregon, this happens every time. You can ask my kids. They went with me on this last time. Whenever I go to Oregon, I say to my dad, can we go to the mountains? Sure. What time do you want to get up? Early. So now instead of him waking me up, sometimes I'm waking him up. And we pile our rifles and binoculars and snacks and Snickers and all that goodies, pack that in a cooler, throw it in the truck and leave in the night. Go up to the mountains because you never know what you're going to see. Never know what you're going to see. Coyotes and elk and all this stuff and you climb mountains that there are, are no roads and you can't see the road in front of you, just the hood of your truck is wheels are flying, you know, rocks flying and you're trying to get up to the top of this mountain and it's a blast. And now I want to, and I think about it, I love to do that. I love to do that every day. And I ask him to go with me, and he's, he's or I end up going with him, but we go together, and my kids went the last time that we were out there. And you're just looking at the view. The sun comes up, you're looking for miles and miles from the top of these mountains. And it's, in, it's amazing. But what happened was, as I got into his world, his love filled my world. Not only the love that I felt from him, but the things that he loved jumped inside of me. Jesus, you see very similarly. You see him constantly slipping away, disappearing. That's what the Bible says, actually the word. Jesus often slipped away to be with his father. And when he's with his father, he is in the world of his father and his father's love is feeding him, and he's living in that love, but also the things that his father loves are being filled, his, his heart is being filled with those things. So that then he's going into the world full of the things that the father loves, and he knows what to do now. Because he's just been with the father. And that's the relationship that Jesus has with the father that Jesus says, I want you to have. I want you to have, I want you to see him not as an ogre, a troll, not as someone distant, but his love is what sent Jesus to the earth and it's his love that will remain forever and we're invited to feel and live in that same love that Jesus 
lived in. And when we have that, I'm telling you what, relationship with God changes. Relationship with our Father, our Heavenly Father. And it doesn't matter what your experience was with your natural father. It gets all superseded by this one. And then the genuine, the authentic, the wonders of the Father, when we spend time with him and we're not afraid of him, yes, be in awe. There's a difference between awe and terror. Right? That fear of the Lord is an awe. It's a wonder. Yes, I recognize he is holy. Yes, I want to live my life right, but I'm not terrorized in fear by even approaching him. No, he's my father. Your identity and my identity is as a son and a daughter of him, the father. That is your highest calling. It's the highest appellation in the entire world. Not president, not prime minister, not CEO, not governor. It's you're a son of your father. You're a daughter of your father. That's, That's it. That's the, that's the highest peak right there. And then you can approach him and you can be filled with him and you can speak with him just like Adam and Eve did in the garden. That's the restoration that Jesus did for us is like that Adam and Eve relationship back in the garden where we're walking with him, where we're talking with him, where we're listening to him, where we're getting into his world. And man, did Adam get into the father's world, right? When they named all of the creatures on the planet, including the ocean, come on. And the birds, there's some trips together. The father and Adam, and we have been restored in relationship. The veil is rent in two, and now we have relationship with the father, and we can get into his world, and then what he loves jumps into us. That is a functional life where things are in order. It's where I see clearly. It's where I have hope. It's where I can lead and be a father to my kids. It's where we can be healthy in every way. If we don't have this relationship with the father in that way, there's dysfunction in my spiritual life. It could be one-sided. You get find really good people sometimes, really good believers with a harshness about them because they don't have this. They need this relationship with the Father and the Son and the Spirit. We need that triple conversion, is what I received, to his love. This makes sense. Are you guys tracking with me? Let me leave you with this uh, story that Jesus highlights some of the nature of the Father. Luke 15, verse 11. We all know this as the prodigal son story. I think it's misnamed, and it's not like a biblical author named it. That's what the translators did. They put that title up there. I really think it should be called The Loving Father. But let's read this. Verse 11, and he said, Jesus, a man has two sons. Verse 12, the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of the the estate that falls to me. I'm ready to leave. So he divided his wealth between them, his two sons. Okay, here's your money. Verse 13, and not many days later, the younger son gathered everything together, went on a journey into a distant country, and there he squandered his estate with loose living, party time. Lots of friends temporarily, 
Lots of fun, lots of parties, they, and he blew all of his money. Verse 14, now when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, bad timing, and he began to be impoverished. Verse 15, so he went and hired himself out to one of the citizens of that country, and he sent him into his fields to feed swine. Which, of course, as you know, in this culture, the Jewish culture, swine are detestable creatures. You don't eat them. You certainly don't want to be around them feeding them. And he would have gladly filled his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating. He was so hungry, he didn't have food to eat that was for pigs. And no one was giving anything to him. But when he came to his senses, have you ever had that happen? Like, what am I doing in this sin? Oh, my goodness. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I'm dying here with hunger. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to get up, verse 18. I'm going to go to my father, and I'm going to say to him, he starts practicing what he's going to say. I'm sure we've all done that too. you got an important meeting. you got a confrontation with someone. You gotta, you're going to repent or whatever it is. You start practicing what you're going to say. So he says, here's what I'm going to say. Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. Practices this, decides to do it, sets out. So he got up, came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him, which means what? He was looking. He was waiting, and he felt the first feeling that the father has. This was another part of the puzzle piece for me. The first feeling that the father has is anger for him being gone and wasting all the money. No, compassion. Compassion is the first feeling of this man. And then he ran. This father who's sitting down, waiting and watching, his first emotion is compassion. His first action is to run toward this son. He ran and embraced him and kissed him. Here's a guy who's so smelly. He's been feeding pigs. He's not taking a shower in who knows how long. Deodorant was not created. And he embraces him and he begins to take his clean lips and put them all over the face of his son. This smelly Sinful son kisses him. Verse 21, and I'm sure the son was not prepared for that. He's got this speech practiced, what he's going to say. Then his father runs, hugs him, holds him, kisses him. Then he says his speech, and the son said to him, Father, I've sinned against heaven and in your sight. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Now remember, he had more practiced what he was going to say. Just make me one of your servants. He doesn't get to say that part. The father interrupts his repentance. The father interrupts his repentance because he knows fully what's going on in his heart. Verse 22, but the father says to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet. And bring the fattened calf, kill it. Let us eat and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and has come back to life again. He was lost and has been found. 
and they began to celebrate. This is Jesus telling the story of a father, and I really believe he's telling the story of the father, of aspects of the nature of the one who sent him to the earth. And he does it in this parable. He does it in this story. He says, you guys, the Pharisees, you've been saying this about what God's like. Let me show you what he's like. He's full of compassion. He doesn't wait till you say everything perfectly, repent perfectly. He may interrupt your repentance because he knows what's going on in your heart and just wrap you up, kiss on you, receive you, and then, I mean, a robe put on him speaks of righteousness. Then he puts a ring on him, basically giving him the credit card back for the family. Puts new shoes on him, and he does all this outside of the house so, so no one knows how stinking, smelly, and nasty he is. He dresses them all back up, has the, has the servants go get the clothes and bring them out, not take him in and get him dressed. He doesn't want anybody else to see him like that. So he's covering him instead of having him be exposed. Look at this nasty son, what he's done. He wraps him up and covers him. Then he brings him into the house. All these elements of what the father's like are mind-blowing. How he loves us when we sin. The exact opposite of what Adam and Eve should have done, they did. When they sinned, they what? They hid from God. You find this young man turning toward his father, and that, I'll tell you what, the father's waiting. If Adam and Eve would have come toward the father, I certainly know he would have wrapped them up too. But instead, they hid. They hid. One of the wonders and beauties of being a son of God and a daughter of God is when we sin, that we get to approach God. Not hide from him, but say, oh man, look at this. Ugh. Look what I just did. I am so sorry. And there is forgiveness. There is embracing. There is love. There is compassion. It's who the Father is. It's what he's like. He's not punitive. He's not demanding that you better do this when you better say it that way and I'm gonna wait for you to repent a few days before I decide what I'm gonna do. No, it's instant. Now, I didn't grow up thinking of the Father this way. How about you guys? If you've known the Lord your whole life, did you see the Father this way? I did not. And it has been so freeing. It's been so wonderful for me. And then I could see throughout the rest of the scriptures, even the Old Testament, because he doesn't change. Ezekiel 18, 23 says, do I have any pleasure in the death of the wicked, declares the Lord God? No, rather than they should turn from their ways and live. Ezekiel 18, 32, for I have no pleasure in the death of anyone who dies, declares the Lord. Therefore, repent and live. From the Old Testament all the way through, you see the Father is actually loving. He is love. Then he sent his son to die. He is the God of love. On this Father's Day, I want you to, just as Jesus wants us to, feel the Father's love, know what he's like. Have that relationship with him like Jesus had. Would you stand with me? I want to first just say, well, let's just pray together. That's all right. Father, thank you. Thank you for being who you are. 
And we even in this moment, Lord, I ask for a continued revelation of what you're really like. Thank you for Jesus showing us what you're really like. And Lord, I ask that you would break the power by your spirit of every lie that we believed inside of us that is not your nature, that's against your nature, that sees you as the Pharisees described or sees you as um, so distant and absent and any elements that are wrong about the way you've been painted, the way that you've been described or the way that we felt about you, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would write those even now in our lives and in our hearts in Jesus' name. Lord, that we would see you as, as hard as this may be for us to believe, sitting on a porch watching. And the moment we turn our toes, your direction, you run and embrace. That whenever we sin, whenever we fall, whenever we fail, all we have to do is turn our toes, your direction, and you embrace us, you forgive us. Jesus paid for this. And Lord, I pray that we would receive that and that we would see you this way and that we would not, Lord, have the sad life of this young son that lived with his father his whole life but never knew him, never knew his heart. That his, his thought, his highest thought was that he could be a servant after his sin when your highest thought was he could never not be a son. Lord, may we have that in the depth of who we are, that we are a child of this father, a daughter, a son forever and always. No matter what happens, no matter what we do, we are his. And yes, we wanna please you, Lord. We want to please you. We want our hearts to do the right things. We need your discipline. And thank you for your discipline, your loving discipline. Lord, I pray that we would, like Jesus, describe you to others in this world that need the correct description, that need the, the, the right way to see you. Lord, remove the veils from all eyes so that we could see you clearly. And Lord, I ask you to fill us with your love right now. Those who never felt the love of you, of the Father. I pray right now for a descending like blanket of your love to hit every heart, every person who's felt an orphan by God or an orphan by a person here or felt distant. Lord, I pray that the distance would go away and vanish right now. They would feel and sense and know that this Father loves them, that you love them all the time, not just when they're doing well, not just when everything is okay, but you really love us and that we are not orphans and that you are not distant. Thank you, Father. Holy Spirit, continue to reveal this to each of us and we celebrate our Father this day who is a good, good Father, an amazing Father. We love you, Lord, and thank you. Thank you for what you've done. Thank you for looking for us. Thank you for making a way. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. 
For updates on future episodes, make sure to subscribe to our podcast and leave us a review to let us know how we're doing. For more information about Awake Church, visit awakechurch.com.